Welcome to She Breeds, where the goal of every podcast episode is to inspire and empower women to up-level and lean in to the best versions of themselves. I hope you enjoy. Good morning, everyone, and happy Wednesday. It is strangely already March 8th, which I find to be bizarre because it seems like it was just February. Um, My head cold is getting better, so that's exciting. And I'm feeling much better, much more energy. It's crazy how when your head is stopped up and you have congestion in your chest, it just makes your whole entire body feel super fatigued. Um, I am going to jump straight into today's topic because it's very exciting and I don't want to waste too much time giving you my normal little life updates. Nothing much is going on anyway currently since the last episode. Just uh, had our first track meets this week which were really fun to watch and um, just moving right along. But in my last episode, I talked about something called the Wheel of Life, which is a diagnostic tool used by life coaches, and it's also a really cool self-assessment tool. So if you didn't listen to that episode, it's basically a wheel. If you visualize a wheel in your mind, and it has the six core areas of our life, which are health, relationships, spiritual and personal development, career, family and friends, and money finance, money and finance. And so in the will, you split the will up into six um, like spokes, or you can think of it as pie pieces as well. And you write those six core life areas into each um, of the six pieces. And then you kind of start rating where you need to be doing the most work to get your life into um, a place of harmony. And so I talked about the will of life in the last episode and also explained a little further about how you can do this self-assessment. And so throughout the month of March, the plan is to is for each episode to uh, focus on one of those six areas. And today, I am going to talk about, well, writing a children's book because it is something I get asked all of the time. I published a children's book in November of 2019, and since then, I can't tell you how many people have said, oh, I have I have an idea for a children's book, or what was the process like, or my daughter has an idea for a children's book, or my, you know, I want to write, my, my grandpa wants to write a children's book, um, you know. It's people of all ages, you know, even like teenagers, kids have said, I want to write a children's book. And so instead of trying to get with people one-on-one and explain the process, which is impossible, I I, I did write a blog post about it several years ago, um, and I thought it would be cool to do a podcast episode on this topic. Um, and that way, even if you're not a person who has a children's book idea in your mind, you can at least know what the process is. So if you ever wanted to write a children's book, um, you would know. Or if you know somebody else in your life that wants to write a children's book, you can share this episode or share this information with them. Um, so, and I, and I realize that this topic may not interest every single listener, but it's kind of a still a fun story to hear. And again, it's some great information that, because you never know when a children's book idea may pop into your mind. Um, so in 2018, in May of 2018, I love telling the story because it's so much part of why and how I published my children's book. The book that I published is called The Jolt Felt Around the World, and it was inspired by my two sons. At the time, they were five and eight years old, 
And we were going through morning car line to their elementary school, just a normal, I remember it was a normal, sunny May morning. And I had left NPR on from the evening before. And so on NPR, they were doing a segment on the Paris Climate Agreement, and which is about, you know, all the countries coming together to uh, make a change for global or to focus on global warming and to, um, you know, minimize climate change and so forth. And so at the time, America was considering pulling out of the climate change um, agreement and or the Paris Agreement. And my older son, Brooks, at the time was eight years old. And he said, well, what is climate change? And why wouldn't we be part of it? And he's always been super inquisitive. He's still that way to this day. But we started talking about climate change and what it is and how pollution and excess consumption and, you know, all of this stuff contributes to a shift in our overall temperature of our climate and a shift in the way in the way that our um, different ecosystems are, you know, working together. And so after I talked to my older son about that, my, my younger son was five and he was listening. And then after it was all said and done, my younger son said, so if we keep putting more and more in trash on the earth, will the planet just fall from the sky? And so when he asked that, it was like this light bulb went off in my head that was like, okay, this is how little children are are envisioning things. You know, first of all, my older son was worried and scared about what was happening to mother earth. And then my younger son was having this literal visualization that the planet could just fall if it got too heavy with trash. And so I don't know. I dropped them off to, at their school, and then my mind just started spinning about this idea for a children's book based on this conversation that I had. I swear inspirations for novels and books can come from anywhere. Always have your ears and mind open. And so I got home that day, and I wrote the entire first draft that day of the book. And it's funny because when I do school visits or when I do talks about writing or children's book publishing, I always get this question where people ask, how long did it take you to write your book? And for this particular book, it took one day to write the first draft. Of course, I revisited it for several months after that and made some tweaks and that kind of thing. But honestly, it just flew out of my brain. I went home and it just, I put it on paper and it felt so good and it felt um, like a really cool story and one that I felt would really resonate with children. And at the time, and this is something we're going to talk about in a minute, but at the time, I felt like I, I thought I was writing a little children's book. But once the story unfolded, I realized that it was for older children, maybe third through fifth grade, because I think because I'm a, a typically a writer for older people, I use some larger vocabulary words in it. Now, granted, younger children can learn very large vocabulary words if their parents and the adults in their life are using them. So it's definitely not a book to shy away from if you have very young children. But the themes, the deeper themes in the book work really well with third, fourth, fifth, sixth grades. Um, But I have lots of little children that love the book, especially the illustrations. And so what happened is I started pitching it to agents and I realized that unless you're a celebrity or unless you're an author illustrator combination, then it's really hard to land an agent quickly. So a literary agent, in case you don't know, is basically like an agent, like a modeling agent or a sports agent. It's the person who um, takes care of your brand deals and, and takes care of like, they basically are the middleman between you and the larger publishing house. And so 
they kind of, you know, obviously you pay them and they, or they take a cut of what you make and they kind of do all the work to get your book to that next level. So when you write a children's book or a novel, the, the traditional way of publishing is you pitch it to a literary agent, the literary agent says, yes, I want to work with you. And they take your book and they pitch it to the larger publishing houses and then it gets published. Um, there are two other ways to publish, hybrid and self-publishing, and we are going to talk about those. So what I found that worked for me was a hybrid type of publishing. And um, again, I don't want to get too far in the weeds with this right now because it's further down in the episode. But anyway, I got it published. So it so basically I found a publisher and we started working together and it the book was um, printed in or it, it was released November of 2019. So what became frustrating was that um, it was released in 2019 and I had school visits planned. I had I was a keynote at a couple of events and then the pandemic hit in March. So I, I had a big push at the beginning for Christmas sales and it was going really, really well. And then the pandemic hit and everybody's mind kind of completely shifted to the pandemic which did affect my marketing plan and, you know, talks and book sales and everything. And so it didn't really get revved back up until about a year ago. And then I started, I won an award called the NYC Big Book Award and um, in the in the category of children's environment. And so at that point, it kind of revved back up. And so I've done a couple more. I've done some visits, some school visits since then. And I was on a radio show and things like that. Now, when the book first came out, I got to be on the Weather Channel and I also um, did a, like, I did several visits when it first came out and I was on the news and stuff like that. So that was really fun. But again, once the pandemic hit, all that kind of fell to the wayside. And so actually in February of 2020, I attended the, um, the Society of Children's Book Writers and Illustrators Winter Conference in New York City. And who knows, there was probably COVID lurking in the corners of New York City at that time because it was February 2020, And but who knew? And um, I went to a bunch of really amazing sessions, but one of them, which was uh, really impactful about children's book writing, was by an author, called, um, an author named Anne Whitford Paul. And not only does she write children's books, like fiction books, but she also wrote a book called Writing Picture Books, A Hands-On Guide from Story Creation to Publication. And in this book, she offers more detailed and expanded information about picture book writing. So I will put the name of that book in the show notes. So if you wanted to revisit it, it's easily available on Amazon. It's very low price and it is a fantastic book. The, this podcast today will summarize that book um, into sort of like cliff notes. But if you wanted the broader version, I would suggest that you buy it and really study it. She is a veteran in the field and she is a master educator when it comes to children's book writing. So the comp- the session that I attended was uh, facilitated by her, by Anne, and holiday books agent Mary Cash. And in this session, they offered 10 suggestions about children's book writing and publication. So today, I'm going to share those with you, and I'm very excited. And I think that my story, my, 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 the story of me writing my book, along with these 10 suggestions, will get you well on your way to a published children's book. So here we go. 10 principles of picture book writing. Number one, find your unique story. 
write what you know, write what you love, and look for inspiration in the world. So whether it's animals, gardening, the environment, um, dancing, whatever is something that you feel really passionate about is going to, you know, flow from your pen much easier than something that a topic you're trying to force. Like I would never write about computers or something like a sci-fi type. That's just not my genre. And if I try to force myself to write in a genre that's not my wheelhouse, I feel like it would be really awkward. Um, so step number one is to find your unique story. If this could be your own story, or it could be a story about that, you know, of someone, um, but, or find inspiration out in the world. So that's what happened to me. I wasn't planning to writing a children's book. I am more of a writer for women, a writer for adults, and I was inspired by my own kids. So either write what you know, write what you love, or find inspiration, um, right, you know, out in the world, because if it's close to your heart, it's going to create a great story. Number two, appeal to both children and adults, okay? It's a tricky double audience, but when writing a picture book, you have to write for both the children and adults. You want the child to enjoy your book, but if the adult isn't intrigued, it may never get purchased in the first place, okay? Not to mention all those many nights that adults read to their babies and children, you want them to enjoy reading the book to them. So I've been told this about my book. It's the children love it, but the adults get intrigued by it because there are some more mature innuendos and um, things like that in my book. So again, appeal to both children and adults. Now, you can also appeal to, to adults with humor or with the lyrical prose that it's written. You know, like Goodnight Moon. I used to love reading that book just because I love the way it rolled off the tongue. So it doesn't necessarily have to be, you know, adult themes or anything. Just something that the adult, adult enjoys to read. Okay, number three, keep it short. Most picture books are about 32 pages long. As the experts say, use the right words. Do not overdo it. Create a powerful, enticing opening sentence and then use these basic questions to help you create your plot. Who, what, when, and where. And wow, the first one or two opening lines should pull the reader in, okay? Who, what, when, where, and wow. So we want it to be a wow factor right at the beginning so that your audience is like, oh my gosh, I got to keep reading this. Um, a lot of older children's books I have found are longer, you know, if you think of like Blueberries for Sal or um, Ferdinand, some of those books are longer. And if you think about more current popular books, they are a little shorter. But I think, you know, the attention span for like for children from the 50s and 60s probably was a little longer because they didn't have the immediate gratification that today's kids have with electronics. So um, I think today's kids are a little bit more impatient when it comes to sitting down and listening to a lengthy book. So I think Vibrant Pictures really helps these days in keeping it short and sweet. And remember, use the right words. Don't overdo it. So use the right words. And this is something that I think about with all my types of writing. You know, when people are rambling, people often ask me to edit things for them. And a lot of the times, the main thing that people do wrong when they're writing is they ramble. Like they, they use tangents, they use unnecessary words. And that is something that I find a lot in people who are, who are not trained writers or who haven't had experience writing. It's just too much. They, 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 it's, um, they're using too many words, but so number three, keep it short. 
Number four, keep the plot simple but meaningful. So since you have fewer pages and words to work with as opposed to, say, a novel, the plot arc should be relatively simple. A, pic a picture book essentially has three acts, a beginning, a middle, and an end, with the middle being the longest. So you want to offer a powerful opening, a meaningful ending, and some conflict there in the middle. Okay, so in my book, um, it's like, so in the beginning, Mother Earth is so heavy with trash, she begins falling from the sky. So that's like within the first page. Well, then the earthlings become very worried about this. So they don't know what to do. So they turn to the leaders and the leaders don't know what to do. So the leaders turn to the other planets in the galaxy and ask them if they can, if the earthlings can flee to these other planets. And so now I'm kind of laughing because earlier I said I, I don't, I didn't, I didn't, wouldn't want to write a science fiction uh, book, but now mine is sounding kind of science fictiony, which maybe it kind of is. But anyway, um, so in the beginning, it's just very short. Mother Earth is falling from the sky. The middle is much longer because there's this conflict where the Earth is falling and the Earthlings need to flee, need to go somewhere so that so that the galaxy can repair Mother Earth. So that's the longer section and then at the end there's a happy ending but I don't want to tell you what it is because you may not have read it yet but in the end the ending is kind of short as well but it wraps the story up so if you're having trouble thinking about what kind of conflict you want to include in your book here are some examples you can create conflict with oneself with another or with society okay so those are some ways that you can create conflict oh and one more with nature so you can do it with oneself with another with society or with nature. So, so there's got to be some kind of conflict going on. Now, if you follow these steps, you can write a children's book. And so it's just, um, it, you know, it's like, it's like with anything. If you follow kind of like an outline or a paradigm, then you can do it. So let's review really quickly. Number one, find your unique story. Number two, appeal to both children and adults. Number three, keep it short, use the right words. And number four, Keep the plot simple but meaningful and create a little bit of conflict in the middle, okay? Create some conflict with oneself, with another, with society, or with nature. Number five, remember that page turns are important. Make the reader want to turn the page and find out what's coming up or what comes next. Use questioning, punctuation, suspense, and other tactics to entice the reader to go on. So keep the book, keep your book tightly focused. Tangents are unproductive to page turns. So you don't want to go off on tangents. You want the reader to be like, flip, 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 you know, flip the pages to make sure that they want to know what's happening next. Number six, I mentioned this earlier, but use lyrical language. Parents love reading lyrical language aloud and children love hearing it. Use literary elements like alliteration, rhyming, interjections, onomatopoeia, Every single word in a picture book counts, and it must match the mood of the story. If you choose to rhyme, make sure even your rhyme has some rhythm. Don't just rhyme for the sake of rhyming. Make sure the rhyme has rhythm. Number seven, leave room for art. Picture books will have illustrations, and the visuals are often what pulls the reader into the book initially. Young children who cannot read yet will spend hours looking at the pictures and studying them. When writing, be thinking of the type of art you would like to, alongside of your text and make sure you save room for it. This was huge for me. I feel like, I literally feel like I manifested my illustrator because 
you know how manifesting involves creating the picture of your mind first, telling the universe what you want, and then having faith that it will appear. So in my book, which has a little intensity to it, I did not, I wanted the planets to have faces. I wanted to personify the planets because there's a lot of emotion going on in the story. And a lot of the emotion is like conflict between the planets, between earth and the other planets. And so I, in my mind, I had this vision of the planets having faces and I didn't want the faces to be hokey and cheesy. You know, I wanted them to be like these really powerful emotions. So I had a couple of people send in some samples and they were kind of hokey. They were kind of like planets that you would think would be like singing songs or saying something cheesy. And then an illustrator named Crystal Smith, um, she sent me some of her samples from other books and I already liked the coloring, her style. She had a kind of like an edgy style. And so when she sent me a drawing of Mother Earth, I was blown away. It was exactly what I was envisioning. I can't even tell you how beautiful the Mother Earth is that she created for me. I mean, I love it. I mean, I've, I have it printed on stickers. I've made t-shirts with it. I, it's the cover of my book. It is just like the most beautiful Mother Earth. And throughout the book, she, you know, tweets Mother Earth's expression because things shift and change in the book. And so I just love her. So Crystal Smith was like absolutely fantastic. And, but as I was writing the story, you know, I chunked the prose with that thought in mind. So like, you know, when you're writing this children's book, you kind of chunk your sections with a thought of a picture in mind. And because you have to have some kind of image about the kind of pictures that you're going to want for the, to go along with your words. So leave room for the art because the art is going to be a very, very powerful part of this, of a children's book. Revise. Number eight is revise. Edit, edit, edit. You may think your first draft is a masterpiece, but it's probably not. Ask friends to read it, join a critique group, and most importantly, try out the story with the children in your life. Kids are often the best critics. And don't be afraid to step away from it for a while and clear your head. Taking a break allows your mind to process what you've already written and consider changes that need to be made. So while I wrote the first draft during that one day in May, it took many months for me to get to a point where I felt confident enough to start sending it to publishers and literary agents. And I had my children read it. I had my boyfriend's children read it. I had um, just uh, some friends read it. I had a teacher read it, you know, because I thought, and it's tricky because when you have a children's book written in black and white, it's much different than what it ultimately looks like with all the beautiful illustrations and everything. So, you know, I took their critiques and especially the kids, like, like the suggestion says, especially whatever the kids were saying, I took that very seriously because this was going to be a book for kids. I knew I enjoyed it as an adult, but I wanted to make sure the kids enjoyed it and that they were engaged with it. So revise, revise, revise. Okay. And then number nine, submit your work. So once you feel, you know, your work is polished, it's time to submit to editors or literary agents. These days, there are a multitude of publishing options, okay? So whether you go the traditional route or you decide a hybrid model or a self-published model, carefully consider which choice works best for you, your budget, and your book. So again, I highlighted earlier that I use a hybrid publishing route. And so what that is, is I found a publisher out of Chapel Hill. They had to select me. So it was sort of like traditional publishing and then they, in, in that they don't work with every single author that pitches a book to them. So they selected me and then 
I hired an illustrator that they helped me find. And then together we published the book and they got to promote it as part of their, you know, yearly package. And then I had to do the other promotion myself. So with either way, you're spending money because I feel like with a traditional route, you're having to give a, a cut of your pay to a literary agent. With the hybrid model, I had to pay the illustrator. And then with a self-publishing model, which is where you do everything yourself, you would have to pay for any costs, period. And with the traditional model is the only one where they would actually like do a lot of the marketing for you. But again, you're in a sense paying them because you're getting them a cut of your sales. So when you go the hybrid or the self-publishing route, all the marketing is in your hands. And let me tell you, that is not hard. I mean, that is not easy. It is hard. It is a whole nother realm of things trying to market your book, writing press releases, sending them to newspapers and, you know, uh, TV stations and radio stations. And it's, you have to put it, you have to put yourself out there. You have to create social media pages and a website and do school visits and talks. And it's not, it's not an easy thing. So if just know that just publishing a children's book is not going to create sales. You have to then go out and market yourself and market the book and basically be a salesperson. And you can hire people to help you if you have the budget for that, but you can do a lot of it on your own to save cost. So basically, like again, um, if you want to submit your work, it's tricky with a children's book. I'm just going to say that because unless you're an author illustrator, meaning you can both draw and write, most literary agents and editors like that combination because they're not having to find an illustrator or find two different people to publish one book. Or if you're a celebrity, if or if you already have a platform, if you already are well-known, then obviously it's not hard to get a book published because you already have connections. Um, or if you're an author and an illustrator. So, um, but if not, if you're like me where you're a writer or if you're just an illustrator, you know, well, if you're just an illustrator, you could actually market your services in a different way and that's a different topic. But for me, I decided the hybrid route was the best and I'm so glad I did it. Like, with that being said, I'm now in the in a, in a phase of where I'm working on novels. And so for novels, I do want to find a literary agent because I feel like it's harder to market a novel without a publishing house backing you because it doesn't have the allure of the illustrations. You know, you can look at my book and people are intrigued because these illustrations are so fantastic. Honestly, they are. And I give all the credit to Crystal. But it's like, with a children's book, you have all these cool visuals to promote. But with a novel, you know, if a literary agent accepts your novel and a publishing house publishes it, that already gives it clout. You know, reading a novel is a commitment. So people are not going to read a novel unless it's getting backed up by, you know, a publishing house. That's what I think. Um, some 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 self-publishing novels have, have gone, have gone like crazy, have gone like, or have made huge shells. But in general, uh, a self-published novel does not make as many sales as a traditionally published novel, but that's not the case with children's books. So again, we're talking about children's books. Okay. Um, and then the number 10, step number 10 is to collaborate. Okay. Once the book enters the publishing phase, there'll be a lot of collaboration. So try not to be sensitive during this stage. And I, I had an editor from my publishing house making some changes and, you know, you don't have to agree with every change, but just know that these people are trained editors and they know what they're doing. So you do want to take their advice most of the time, but it's a collaboration. So together you work on that final draft and um, make the tweaks and changes that you both see fit. And then, um, and then you, and then you end up with the final product. 
So, um, so not only will you be working with an editor, but then you'll have the illustrator, the designers, um, publishers, and others. They'll all have opinions about your book, and they may be different than your own, but like I said, don't let these suggestions hurt your feelings. The entire team has the same goal of getting the book published and letting it be a huge success. Um, I was fortunate because I was working at a newspaper and magazine at the time, so I kind of had some background with the graphic design part. I don't know. I'm not a graphic designer, but I just kind of knew you know, certain things like high resolution and pixels and stuff like that. But again, you, you can learn all these things. These are all things that if you're determined enough, you can learn how to do them. So those are the 10 steps. Um, there's one last step and that's just to have fun, but that's not actually a formal step. So just to review quickly, number one, find your unique story. Number two, appeal to both children and adults. Number three, keep it short. Number four, keep the plot simple but meaningful and have a little conflict in there. Even kids, even, even young minds like, like some conflict because they know there's something to be solved. And that's just how the human brain works. Number five, remember that page turns are important. Keep those pages turning. Number six, use lyrical language. You want it to have a little bit of a sing-songy type feeling or at least um, keep it tight and succinct and use some alliteration and things like that. Number seven, leave room for art. Number eight, revise, edit, edit, edit. Number nine, submit your work however you choose, traditional publishing, hybrid publishing, or self-publishing. Number 10, enjoy the collaboration phase where you're working with designers and editors and um, graphic design, or yeah, and uh, illustrators. You know, have fun with that. And, you know, so far, I've like I've only written one picture book and I thought it would be easy because Everyone thinks writing a children's book would be easy because it's short. However, it is not easy because because it is short, you have to be so careful with the words that you use. And because our little audience of children can be very fickle and inattentive, you have to be very careful with, you know, what you're writing. So um, I, again, I'm working on a novel and they're both hard in different ways, but I, I wouldn't say a children's, writing a children's book is easy, but if you are determined, I know you can make it happen because I did. And I wasn't a celebrity or anything like that. I just had this inspiration. I wrote the book. I had a vision of what I wanted and I did not give up. And now I have a book published and I'm really proud of it. So I want to say good luck. And if you have any further questions, you can submit those and maybe I'll do a follow-up if there are enough questions because I get, again, I get asked all the time, how do you publish a children's book? Or how did you publish your children's book? Or I want to publish a children's book. And so if that is you, then I, I, I truly think this episode will help you. And like I said, you can um, get some more information from Ann Whitford Paul. But um, yeah. So good luck, good luck, good luck, good luck. It's a really fun process. And I'm not going to say I never will publish a children's book again because maybe I will. I don't know. But so I decided, I thought I would leave you with kind of a fun thing that I've learned recently. And this is my secret to outstanding pasta salad. So we have four growing children in the house and they eat a lot of food. So I decided that for lunches, I'm gonna make, I was going to make a huge thing of pasta salad on a Sunday or Monday or whatever and then they can put them in little Tupperware containers each day for lunch along with all the many other things that they eat for lunch and so I started playing around with different ingredients in pasta salad to try to give it some flavor and the, the ingredient that I found that gives it a, a delicious little zingy little flavor kick is basil 
basil, fresh basil, not dried basil, basil. So I put together like pasta, tomatoes and cucumbers, and I also threw some corn in there. Like you could throw frozen corn in there and it keeps it really fresh. I mean, like refreshing. So it keeps it cold instead of like canned corn, which can get kind of like mushy. So frozen corn, um, cucumbers and tomatoes, and then um, fresh basil chopped up really, really, really fine. It gives it just this amazing flavor kick. And then I make like a little marinade with a tiny bit of vegetable broth, a little bit of olive oil, um, red wine vinegar, garlic powder, salt and pepper, and cumin, and lemon juice. And I just whisk it all together. You can also use lime juice. I whisk it all together and I pour it over the pasta salad and shake up the big, uh, big Tupperware container and leave it in the fridge and voila. So that is my fun tip of the day. The secret to amazing pasta salad, in my mind, is fresh basil. All right, I hope you all have a great rest of the day and a wonderful week, and I'll catch you on the next episode. If you are enjoying this podcast, please consider subscribing so you don't miss an episode. My goal is to share information and inspiration so that women feel seen, heard, and empowered. Also, if you know someone who would benefit from this podcast, please share. Lastly, if you have a topic or idea that you want to hear more about, or if you want me to expound upon a topic I've previously discussed, please let me know. Message me on any of my social media platforms or email at susanna.shetley at gmail.com. Thank you again for listening.